always knew Brother Gene was real low down, but he got real low down on that bass part on that song a ago. I heard him rattling back there. That was good. That was good. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed the singing tonight. Thought about the ladies as they were singing about Justified. I love that song. That song always speaks to my heart, but I'm reminded of Galatians 2 in verse number 16. Every time they sing that song, I think about this verse of Scripture. This is not what I'm going to preach tonight, but the Bible said in Galatians 2 and 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For I build again the things which I destroyed. I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. But like this verse that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know why I'm justified? Because I put my hope and faith in the one who died and gave himself for me. Nothing more, nothing less. Nothing I could do would get you there. Nothing you could do would get you there. But it's because of what he done, right? All right, if you will, turn your Bibles to the book of Hosea. Book of Hosea, chapter number 10. Hosea, chapter number 10. You pray for us tonight. We're going to try to complete thought. The Lord give us kind of in the same direction it was in this morning. Just a little different. The Lord will help us. We'll try to give you the thought the Lord placed on your heart and get down and get out of the way. feel a little better uh, tonight. I've got a little bit of an outline anyway. I was winging it this morning, right? Hosea chapter, not that I wing it, I study. It's just that uh, the Lord changed my direction, all right? No, nobody gets scared and say the preacher goes home and don't study his Bible. Uh, Hebrew, uh, Hosea chapter number 10. Uh, let's read the verses number uh, 11, 12, and 13. Stand with us, if you will, for the reading and reverence of the Word of God. Hosea chapter number 10. Verse number 11, the Bible says, And Ephraim is an heifer that is taught, and loveth to tread out the corn. But I passed over upon her fetternet, I will make Ephraim to ride. Judah shall plow, and Jacob shall break his clods. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way, in the multitude of thy mighty men. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. Pray, God, you'd help us uh, to take this little thought that you laid on our heart and help us finish what we started this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd do a work in our hearts. If there's one lost among us, I pray you'd show them need of a Savior tonight. We're leaning upon you. Hide us behind the shadow of the cross. Lord, I pray that you'd guard our lips of clay. We wouldn't say anything, Father, that would 
be against your word. If we rightly divide the word of truth tonight, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, let me give you a little context, if I can, uh, before we get into this. We're going to be back in John uh, chapter number 11 and 12 here in just a few minutes. If you want to uh, find your place there and just hold on to it, we'll be back that way here shortly. But Hosea chapter number 10 is a chapter where God uh, is pronouncing his judgment upon uh, Israel. And I'm just going to highlight a few verses of scripture and uh, then we'll we'll get on down into our thought. But now, uh, before we get started, there the, for some reason or another, it just has worked out this way uh, that for several Sundays, seemed like the Lord just been dealing with me on the matters of the heart. And I went back this evening and just took a look uh, over some things. And we started back on the 11th of last month and preached a message uh, on a Sunday morning, don't lose heart. I'm not losing heart. And uh, then on the 18th of last month, we preached a message on guarding your heart or guarding the hearts of the people. Then in, uh, on the 25th, on Sunday morning, we preached a message on a broken heart. Uh, the same day on uh, the, the, the PM service, we preached a message on a fixed heart. Then on the 1st, we preached a message on Sunday morning about a fearful heart. And I didn't intend for it to go that way. It just kind of has worked that way out. It worked its way out that way. But I, I want to deal with, if I could tonight, on a hard heart. Or maybe a, a divided heart, if the Lord will help us. And as I consider uh, these texts, I'm, I think about Hosea chapter number 10 and verse number 2, where the Bible said their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. And so we understand that the people here, they were worshiping God. You, you, you could never say that, uh, that these, the, the children of Israel here were not worshiping God. They were indeed worshiping God. The problem was, Brother Gene, they were worshiping other things as well. And uh, they, they, they never turned and said, well, God's not real. Or they never completely just said, okay, we're not going to have anything to do with God per se. But they incorporated other things. All right, as a, as a whole, I'm talking as a general rule when you look at the nation. Okay, so they worship God and they would go down to Jerusalem and they would take part in the Feast of Days uh, and they worship. But the problem is they would also worship that of Baal. And they also had golden calves. And they also had uh, this golden calf at Samaria and a golden calf at Bethel. And uh, it seemed like they were divided, Brother Shane, in whether or not they were going to go fully and wholly towards God or fully and wholly towards these idols. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you to understand something. God has always been a jealous God. And God has no intention of sharing himself with anything else. All right? And so as far as God is concerned, it's all or it's nothing. He said, I would that thou were cold or hot because thou are lukewarm. I'll spew you out of my mouth. You don't. I, I like I like uh, I like my coffee hot. I like my cocoa or my sweet tea cold. I don't want it. I don't want it mixed up, right? And so uh, he's saying here that lukewarm water tastes bad to me, and uh, I want you to be hot or I want you to be cold. I want you to be in or I want you to be out, but I don't want you to be divided. I don't want you to ride both sides of the fence. You know, straddle the fence, one leg on one side and one leg on the other. Get committed, make a decision which way that you want to go. And so uh, the, uh, the Bible said in verse 2, their heart is divided. And I thought about 
James 1 and 8, and it's very familiar passage of Scripture. I've probably read it here a million times, I would say, but James 1 8 says that a double-minded man is unstable in all these ways. Now, we live, I believe you can agree with me, we live in a society today that's very unstable. Uh, we, we see our country right now is divided. It's divided a great deal. And even in, within parties, there's division. And, of course, I'm glad I'm not putting my hope and trust in a party or a, or a government tonight, but I've got my hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, I, I'm seeing a, a time like I've never seen before in the local church where people just are not decided one way or the other. They have, a, they have division in their heart, whether they want to go with the things of God or the things of the world, and they just kind of want to have it both ways. And you can't have it both ways, all right? And so... Uh, this is why people have a hard time being faithful and being consistent is because they're double-minded. They want, they, want both, they want it both ways, all right? And so Hosea 10 and 6, let's read that. It says, uh, it shall be also carried unto Assyria for a present to King uh, Jareb. Ephraim shall receive shame. Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. And so the golden calves were going to be hauled off to Assyria for a gift under the king. Now Israel here, uh, the, the golden calves with Isaac have been a problem from way back when. There's been a golden calf sticking his nose in all the time with God's people. And they've given themselves to idol worship all the way back in the wilderness from the time that God brought them out of the land of Egypt under Egyptian bondage. They've been giving themselves to some capacity to idol worship. Now, you and I don't have a golden calf set up tonight, but I would say if we're not careful, we could look in our homes and in our uh, our life apart from the house of God and see that there's some things uh, in our life that we give ourselves to that we probably should rein back in just a little bit, all right? If not, a whole lot. But uh, these golden calves are going to be hauled off to Assyria uh, for a gift under the king of Syria. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Because God's people wouldn't give themselves fully to God, they were in this predicament. But the very thing that they were worshiping and the very thing that was causing them to have these issues was going to be taken away from them in the end anyway. The king of Syria was going to wind up uh, with this gold, these golden calves. And so we move on down and we get into verse number 12. And the Bible says here, Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. So what he's saying here, he's saying you need to sow unto yourself righteousness. We understand the principle of sowing and reaping. Much has been said on that uh, in the recent past. But as we consider sowing and reaping, we've looked at it from the aspect of you and I having to go out and till the soil and that soil is this lost and dying world you know to plant a seed and and to, to water it and to plant it for god to give the increase we, we've talked about it in that aspect but in the context here i want you to understand the context of what we're reading in hosea 10 and 12 is you and i are the soul not we're not talking about a lost and dying world here we're talking about god's people and uh you say what do you mean what's this so to yourself so Hosea is, is saying if they would sow uh, in righteousness, they would reap in mercy. And so here's, here's what I began to think about considering this matter of, 
of, of the soul. And the soul being God's people. Psalms 103, verse number 14, says, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Genesis 3, 19, says, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now we're less than dirt, we're dust. You know, the flower fadeth, the grass withereth. You know, we're but a vapor. Our life is but a vapor. You know why we're dust, less than dirt? Because you can take dust and blow it, and it's gone. A handful of dust turns into nothing at, the, at the, just a little wind blowing across the dust. And so uh, we're here for a little while, but we're going to vanish away. And I, I consider this, this matter and in the context of that God is pronouncing judgment on Israel and that they have a divided heart. And I just began to think about a, a, a divided heart or a hard heart. Mark 3 and 25, we talk about this in the context of the church, in the context of homes, and in the context of, of a nation. But Mark 3 and 25 says, And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And I thought about the division that was in the nation here and how that they were a divided people. And, and, and nationally, they were, they were in trouble. The Assyrians were coming. They're fixing to be in captivity. Trouble is on the brink. And, and the Bible says, sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. What is the ground? It was them. Why were they having to break themselves up? Because they got hardened. Listen, they had gone so long. There was preaching. There was, there was a word that was being given by God unto them to turn from their ways. But they rejected it. What was it Hosea 4 said in verse number 6? My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because why? They have rejected knowledge. There was rejection upon rejection upon rejection. Do you know what we see today in this nation? A rejection of the word of God. People have rejected it. They've turned their back on it. They don't want to hear it. And it's going to get worse all the time. There's a, there's a, there's a rejection of the word of God. Doesn't change the fact that judgment's coming, but rejection. And then you've got a crowd of people today that are, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as what I read in my Bible, I believe I can back it up. They're just divided. They won't really get in and get serious. They won't really get out, but they just kind of float along. And so the Bible says, serve yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. Break up your follow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he come. And read righteousness upon you. So considering a house is divided against itself cannot stand. I, I thought, I looked at a few things. What is a house? A house, and that sounds stupid, but a house is a building used as habitation. That's all a house is. It's just a building that's been built for a purpose of, of, of living in it. To have a habitation, a place to stay, to get in out of the rain, and to have a place that's warm and dry. All right, and then I, I, I thought about 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, where the Bible said, and Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, what, question mark? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. So a house divided cannot stand. And we are, our bodies, if you say by the grace of God, is a temple. The Holy Spirit took a boat up in our heart. 
And so I have the Holy Spirit with me. I, I, listen, I'm glad for the ability to pray. But I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me every day that helps lead, guide, and direct me. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing. But I looked up what a temple is. Now, we, we understand what the temple is in the context of the scripture. But let me give you just a quick definition. Temple is a public uh, edifice erected in honor of some deity. An edifice erected among Christians is a place of public worship, a place in which the divine presence specially resides. What is an edifice? It's a building. Our body is the house of God. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And a house divided cannot stand. You know why a lot of people fall out of church? Because they can't stand. You know why they can't stand? Because they're divided on whether or not they're going to do what God wants them to do. If they're going to sell out to the things of God. If they're going to, if they're going to give themselves holy to the Lord. They, they just can't make their mind up. And somebody that's in God's house that cannot make their mind up needs to do two things. Get right with God or they'll get out. You say, preacher, are you trying to get people out of church? No, but what I'm saying is if we preach the Bible the way God wants us to, they won't be able to stand it. We ought never to have a place here at Mount Taylor Baptist Church where we're so soft-shoed about what the Bible has to say that somebody can sit in a padded pew Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night and feel happy in their sin and just live life and go on to what they do. Come to the house of God just whatever they feel like and never have any conviction on their life. There's nothing wrong with preaching the Bible and God put conviction in the heart of a sinner. That's what we're here for. That don't make us arrogant. It don't make us mean-spirited. It don't make us hateful-hearted. It means that we're given the Word of God, and when the Word of God goes out in power, you'll have to get right or get out. But we don't want to have a place where everybody can come and sit for long periods of time and feel good about themselves. Because it took me realizing, it took me not feeling good about myself to come to the place where I knew I needed a Savior. I'm glad somebody didn't soft shoe me and tell me everything was all right with me when everything wasn't all right. I appreciate that. I needed that. We still need that. Now we preach in love. I'm not trying to be hateful tonight. But what I'm saying is we don't want a place here where people can just come and sit and be happy in their sin. Now we, we hate the sin. We love the sinner. And we love people. But we want people to, to get right and have victory in their life. And get on the battlefield and do something for God. So sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. And so I, I thought about this, uh, this situation right here with having a hard heart or a divided heart. We know the people of God here were divided. But we know that the Bible says here to break up your fallow Ground. So do yourselves in righteousness, reaping mercy. We are the we're the dirt here. We're what needs to be tilled. Why why is that? Because we've got hardened. Let me let me give you the definition of fallow. Fallow is untilled, unsowed land that has laid a year or more untouched. Now you go down to the soil conservation uh, office in in whatever county you reside in. And most rural counties, Brother Shane, has got a no-till drill. And the idea is, is the Soil Conservation Office has got it set up now where 
they're trying to put in new practices of being able to sow uh, whatever whatever plant that you're wanting to plant, whether it be weed or ryegrass or whatever you're wanting to sow. You can go get a no-till drill, and this no-till drill is designed to, to plant whatever you're wanting to plant without having to go in and plow with a mold bore plow and turn the ground over. And it, it's basically for one purpose, and that's not to disturb the soil. And here's what happens, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to try not to, to farm on you all night, okay? That's not what I'm trying to do, but... But I, 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 we run into a drought, I think it was back in 2016, and I was short on, on hay, and we were going to try to plant ryegrass. And they had predicted that we were going to get rain. And that, listen, the rain, it was, it was so bad without rain that they were having to haul water from the river to farms just to get the cows something to drink. They, they hired an old milk, milk hauler to go down to the river and pump water on his tanker and haul it to farms because there wasn't any water to be had. We got, uh, we got word that rain was coming. And I hooked everything up, got the cedar going, and I was going to work the ground. And uh, we got scared to death because I went in there and worked the ground, got the ground all worked up, and planted that thing, and we never got no rain. What I had was a field full of powder. And that field was kind of sloped like this. And I was afraid that if that seed did not take root, and hold that ground together. That somewhere in the winter time. When we got a hard rain. That field was going to wash away brother Gene. And all the topsoil was going to wind up in the road. Not only would I have had a mess. But I would have ruined that field. And I would have had an upset highway department at the same time. And I leased that ground. So I would have had an upset man who owned that ground as well. So I got nervous and started praying for rain. And the Lord blessed us. And, and we got enough rain for that field to come up and take root and held that soil together. But the idea of a no-till drill is to keep the soil from being disturbed. And you know what's happened to a lot of Christians today, Brother Gene? They just ain't been disturbed by nothing. They've got, they've got happy and complacent, and they're, they're in a routine. And listen, we've got a new routine. I don't know if you realize it or not. We've dealt with this COVID thing so long, we've kind of just got used to it, Brother Marvin. We really have. I mean, when it hit, people were scared to death. Hey, I ain't going to lie to you. I put on a mask and some gloves, and I went and bought a month's worth of groceries just to try to make sure we could get it through it. I thought surely after a month this thing would be over. And uh, it wasn't over, and it still ain't over, and it's still going on, and people just kind of acting like it's the new normal. It don't even upset folk to have to wear a mask. It about suffocates me to death, but Gene, have to walk through a store with a mask on. It wears me out. I hate it. My wife gets dizzy-headed just from wearing one. And so, I mean, but it's the, it's like it's the new normal. Everybody's kind of got used to it. It's just the way that it's going to be. And at the time, we never seen it coming. It just, like that one day, we had a problem, right? We never seen it coming. And it changed the course of how we relate to life. I got news for you. There's some more things out there we ain't never seen coming. And it's going to come, and it's going to disturb, and it's going to change the way that we interact in our everyday life. Because that is life. That's what happens. But what, what's being said here is the people of God need to, they need to break up their fallow ground. Why? Because they got hardened. Nothing's happening. Nothing's disturbing the soil. And so uh, some people, uh, seems like, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it seems like some people, nothing just touches them. We preach the Bible and you can pray and you can give them the scripture. And Brother Gene, it's just like it don't reach them. 
They, 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 it, just, it just doesn't penetrate deep enough to get them to do what they need to do. And it starts frustrating. I don't know about you, but it frustrates me. I see people who have no victory, whose lives are in shambles, who have got trouble that's causing them to lose sleep at night. And, and I know what's wrong, and I've got the remedy, but they won't accept it. They won't move. They won't do what they need to do. And it's frustrating. Nothing reaches down into the depths of their souls. Basically, here's what happens. Nothing moves them. You know why you stick a plow in the ground and break up hard soil? Because unless you move that soil and break that soil up, you're not going to be able to do nothing with that ground. There's a lot of hard people today that's sitting in the house of God. There's a lot of hard people that, that are out of the house of God that know they ought to be in God's house. There's a lot of people that once was in the house of God, that once was faithful, but for some reason they're out tonight and they're hearted and nothing seems to penetrate them. And here's what I was kind of dealing with and thinking to myself as I preached this morning. Sometimes if I'm not careful, I start trying to figure out what could we do to reach them. That's a mistake to do that. Because we start playing God when that happens. Now here's what I want to kind of deal with tonight. You know and I know that Satan hinders. You understand that. We've talked about it. It's been mentioned more times than we can count. Satan he hinders. He wants to hinder. He wants to attack. He wants to try to get us out of the way. We just read over in the book of Psalms about how that he lays a trap. The adversary, excuse me, the adversary has a trap and a hole in the ground and nets. And there's that snare, you know. There's opposition. And Satan will hinder us if he's given the opportunity. But I want to say this, and there's oppression from Satan. Don't misunderstand me. There is. But I believe in my heart of hearts, but there are times when we go through divine hindrances. And we go through what I call divine disturbances. And in order to draw us closer to God, he has to break us up. I, I see folk, Brother, Brother Gene, that, that need something. They need to move. They need to, they need to react, but they won't. But I got news for you. There's some times that God, you take it as far as you can go and then you leave it to God. And there are times when there are some divine hindrances, some divine disturbances. If you won't break up your own fallow ground, if you won't determine that you, if you won't just say, yes, I've got this problem. Yes, I'm cold. Yes, I'm complacent. Yes, I, I, I'm happy where I'm at, but I know I need to do something different. You don't take charge of it today, friend. God has a way of putting things in your life to break up the fallow ground. He will disturb. He brings disturbances in our life. And he does it in order to draw us closer and allow us to be like Mary that we read about here uh, earlier. Let me find that. Go, go with me to John for just a second. Chapter number 11. Excuse me. Chapter number 12. We find here in verse number 3 of John chapter number 12, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, 
and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Just a chapter back, we know that Mary was at the feet of Jesus with a prayerful complaint. She was upset because she had petitioned God. Martha and Mary both petitioned the one that they knew could make a difference in their brother's life. But they did not get the response that they wanted. And it caused Mary to not even want to leave the house and go to where Jesus was at and talk to him when Martha did in fact leave. But I want you to understand that we know when we read the Bible in John eleven four that when Jesus heard that he said this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. There were some problems coming down the pipe. There was something fixing to happen that Martha and Mary and Lazarus didn't want to have happen. And they actually wanted it to be different. Let me ask you a question tonight. Are there anything, is there anything in your life that, that you've wanted to see different than what it was and you petitioned God for it to be different, but God didn't do what you asked him to do? It just seems like maybe it was silent. God didn't answer your prayer the way that you wanted him to answer. Or maybe you felt like he didn't answer your prayer at all. Maybe it just seemed silent. Maybe it just seemed like time was running out. This is a divine hindrance right here. This wasn't just Satan doing what Satan does. It's the point that the man wants to die. We understand that. Lazarus is sick. Jesus knows about it. But Jesus is going to allow him to die. Jesus is going to allow this to take place knowing that it was affecting Martha and Mary and, Mary, and they wanted him to come. This was a divine hindrance. But this divine hindrance was for a greater cause. And I want us to understand there's times in our life where things come up and disturb us. Do you think Martha and Mary was disturbed? Certainly they were. They were disturbed a great deal. But the disturbances that come in their life was for the greater good. And I want you to see here. I can find my place. Verse 32, we'll read it again. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, thou hadst been here. My brother had not died. She's at his feet. She's letting him know. She's telling him what was wrong. But I thought about this. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. Now you think about that. Why, why, why is this written in, the, in, in relation to a father and a father's child? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children. Did anybody got children in the sound of my voice? That, that, that it, in times has been petitioned or asked by your children uh, for something that they wanted or needed you to do for them? Maybe if you don't have children, you were no doubt a child. And at some point you asked or petitioned your parents for something. The Bible says, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Can I, can I say this? You know as well as I do, when you consider a parent and children, 
wouldn't you agree that the parent knows what's best for the child? That, that the child's intellect and, and ability to think and, and figure what they need uh, is not as great as the parent that's over them. You know, God did give, uh, give children parents for a reason. And we are to train up children in the way that they should go, right? There's a job, there's a duty. Well, there's more to being a mom and dad than just bearing children, you see. There's a, there's a job, there's a purpose that takes place. And undoubtedly, children need a parent because they don't have the ability to think and do what's right for them. We're the same way. And, and the Lord wants us to prayerfully petition Him. And I, there's no doubt the psalmist was right about the Lord giving us the desires of our heart. Has the Lord ever give you the desire of your heart? Have you ever wanted something and the Lord loved you and cared for you and, and allowed you to have or, or, or do something that you wanted to do? He has me. I mean, it's not, it's not just all business. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've given my children things. My children don't get everything they want, but they get a lot of things that they want. There's times when I don't give them things that they want because they need to realize that they don't always get what they want. And there's, it's the same way with us and the Lord. We can prayerfully petition the Lord. I don't, I don't uh, hate my child for asking me for something, although I may know that what they're asking me for they don't need. I can tell them no. And here's what I want you to understand. There's times when it seems like the Lord don't meet the prayerful petition that you, that you have given Him. But, but aren't you glad at the same time that God don't always give us what we ask for? Because we don't know sometimes what's best for us. There's been some instances in my life where I've prayed for something, Brother Gene, and the Lord wouldn't let me have it or give me peace to do it. And I went on down the road a little bit farther and I looked at my wife and my wife has looked at me and we said, boy, we're sure glad we didn't do that. I was this close. I'm telling you, I mean, I was this close to taking a farm in Missouri. That close. I mean, we went. We drove out there. We looked at it. And I'll, I'll never forget it. We pulled up to the place and I looked at my wife and my wife looked at me and we knew that very moment that was not where we were supposed to be. I didn't know it till I got there, but when I got there, I knew it. And as bad as I wanted, I know in my heart if I had took that farm where I'd be today. And what I'm saying is, I just, I just know there, there's times when God knows what we don't know, and although we want it, we desire it, there's divine hindrances. There's things that come up that He will not allow, and there's things that happen to disturb us. You know what we need today? There's things going on in our nation. Do you know why things are going on in our nation today? God's disturbing the soul. God is, is, is shaking things up. Things, and listen, it's a pretty dusty situation right now in our nation. The dust is boiling over this election and it hasn't settled down yet. And here's what I'm saying. The Lord has allowed some things to happen. You, we read it the other night. He sets up and he takes down. And I'm finding out, and listen, I, I didn't vote for Joe Biden, okay? But what I'm saying is this. There's a lot of people that woke up to the fact that he is going to be the president unless something drastically changes. And you know what's happened? There's people suicidal tonight. They, they, listen, the liquor stores are selling liquor as fast as they can sell it. People's losing their mind. You know why? Because they put all their hope and faith in the I don't 
typically like the choice that I've got right now. But I'll say this, I'm glad when I woke up and found out who was going to be the president, I served a risen Savior. Who's in the world today? Who's in control of what's going on? But there's a lot of people that put all their hope and faith in a president. And they didn't put all their hope and faith in God. And God is going to cause some divine disturbances. And when people wake up to the fact that he's the one in charge, we can do something. But you are in charge of your life. And if you're hardened and, you're, and you, won't, you won't receive the word of God, you won't move, you won't let God do with you what he wants to do. Don't be surprised when some things come up in your life that disturb your life. Because God is always, you have the, you're a free moral agent. You have the decision to do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it. Do you know Adam and Eve had the decision to make? They, they, they had the ability to eat of that fruit. And they sure did eat of it. And then they sweat for the rest of their life. You and I sweat today because of it. We can get sometimes what we want, but there, there'll be some divine disturbances that show up in our life to break up the, to disturb the soul, if you will. This soul you're looking at today in context of, of Hosea chapter again, it's been disturbed a time or two. God has disturbed my soul a time or two to get my attention, but it was for the greater good. And all the disturbance that you see going on in Martha and Mary's life right here, we find in chapter number 11, verse number 32, she's at the feet of Jesus in great distress. Her soul had been disturbed. But then I love it because when you go over to verse number 3, it said, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spite and her very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. You know, it took a disturbance, Brother Shane, a, a divine disturbance to get uh, Mary to the place where she was not at the feet of Jesus anymore crying, but at the feet of Jesus wiping the, the ointment and the, the, the spikenard with the hair of her head on his feet. And she walked away, as we stated this morning, she smelt like Christ. And Christ smelt like her. What would it be like to be so close to the Lord and to have such an intimate relationship with the one who died for you that you didn't just look like him, walk like him, talk like him, but you smelled like him? Think about that. It doesn't get any closer than that. Wouldn't it be something to walk by somebody and they wouldn't go, well, they look like Jesus, but they smell like him too. Think about that fiery furnace. I see four men in the fire. One is like unto the Son of God. Oh, there was a resemblance. Nebuchadnezzar didn't have to wonder who was in there with the three Hebrew children. He knew. But it took divine hindrances to, to, to make these things happen. Listen, you look at what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that divine hindrance, do you see what happened? The outcome of that thing? It changed It changed the way Nebuchadnezzar viewed those three men. And it changed the decree of the nation. So here's, here's what I'm getting at. Sometimes there's divine hindrances, divine disturbances, if you will, to the soul. Can I say to you, 
a hard-hearted Christian is not going to do anything for the glory and honor of God. It's not going to happen. And I fear that there's a lot of hard-hearted Christians today that have, have given themselves license to involve themselves in things and do certain things and they, they feel okay in their sin and in their life and in the things that they're involved in. And they come to the house of God and they can deal with it, you know, and go on and Monday through Saturday just live like they live. And on Sunday morning, come back in and be a Sunday morning Christian. Go back out the doors, you know, can't, can't, can't get serious, can't get involved. But here's what I want to say to you. Divine disturbances. What does disturbing the soul do? You can't soften the soul, Brother Gene, till you break the ground. And divine disturbances. Sometimes we, he breaks up our fallow ground, if you will, because we're hard. And soul can't soften until it first gets broken. And God has a way of disturbing our soul and breaking us up and getting us in a place where he can soften the soul. So soul can't soften until it's broken and God can't use someone who is hardened. There's people tonight hardened for all kinds of reasons. Hardened by sin, hardened by hurt, hardened by failures, just hardened over all kinds of things. Psalms 57 and 19 says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Can I say to you, he is tender and soft with those who are tender and soft. When God's judgment was on Israel, He was He was He was warning, break up your fallow ground. Let me go back to that. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. You know what time it is right now? I'm gonna be honest with you, it's time right now to seek the Lord. We're in a situation right now, friend, it, as crazy as this world is getting, I would be scared to death to be on opposing ends with God. And He has to soften us because we get hard. And if you, if you, if you would break up your fallow ground yourself, if you, if you just point yourself towards God and say, God, I've got a problem. I've been hardened. I know what's right, but I, I won't do what's right. God, I, Help me, Lord. I believe the Lord would help you get where you need to go if you just first admit it. But if you won't, He has a way of bringing some divine disturbances that would break up your soul in order to soften you and get you to the place. Do you know what we find in Hosea? Is judgment's coming. God's got a preacher preaching to you and you won't turn. But there's mercy. Thank God for that. But here's what I'm saying here. Psalms 57, 19, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken contrite heart of God. They will not despise. Sometimes what we are going through in our lives is a softening experience. But the softening, before the softening can occur, there has to be a time of disturbance. And when you and I are soft and tender hearted, God won't despise us. There's nothing. He can't despise us. 
says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. If you are soft hearted, in love with the Lord, love your fellow brother, want to see souls saved, faithful and true and serious about the work of God. He cannot despise you. He's soft hearted and tender hearted to those who are soft and tender. And when we go through things that we hate and we get upset with God, we forget and don't even realize that we're going through a disturbing process. He's breaking up the fallow ground. What we're going through here is a time of disturbance so that we can get to a time of softness. You won't have a fluffy field, friend. Uh, I love I love to see a field that's been turned from the trees and has been worked down and it's just like that. They run through there and they planted that thing and it's beautiful. And in about four or five days, little spring start popping up out of the ground. It's, there's nothing like it. I love it. I love it. But before you get the soft soil, you got to break the ground. And I want you to know something. You, you, you can break your own ground. You can get headed in that direction tonight. Or you can let God do it. But there are some times when we go through things, God's not, God's not trying to be mean to us. God's not trying to be hateful. Martha was, Martha was, 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 she knew God could if God would. Mary just got, she got aggravated. They didn't understand that what they were going through was divine disturbances that was in a softening process. And because of the divine disturbance and the softening process, you see an interaction in chapter 12, verse number 3, like probably you and I have never experienced on this level. Sometimes it takes us going through some things in order for God to get us broken. We need a broken heart. He won't despise a broken heart. You and I need a broken heart. We have to become disturbed in order for God to move us. We can't get close. Listen to this now. We can't get close to God unless we move. You know what he done? He spoke to Martha. But he stayed right where he was at in chapter number 11 and made Mary come to where he was. Do you know what actually happened was Mary had to meet Christ at work. And you know what he still wants us to do today? Is meet him at work. He's not going to do it all. He don't need us. He wants us, but he's going to require us to put, put some skin in the game. We have some disturbances in order for God to move us. We can't get close to God unless we move. So he disturbed. He disturbed the soul in Mary. And when he disturbed the soul in Mary, the, the, the soul moved. And when the soul moved, there was a closeness to Christ that you and I probably have excuse me, never experienced quite like she experienced. Let's all stand to our feet tonight. If you'll come, sister, and just play something softly for a moment. If you need to do business with God or something on your heart, Lord's been dealing with you about something. You need to come talk to him. Maybe you've just got hardened over some things. Maybe the Lord's got some things in your life that He's uh, has disturbed you. Maybe you need to come pray and ask the Lord to help you get out of it what He's wanting to show you. Maybe you're just hardened towards God because of the disturbances that's in your life. You're like Martha. You've got frustrated. 
people are not doing what you think they ought to do. Friend, I'll just tell you what we need to be is soft hearted and have a relationship with the Lord. That relationship that Mary had with Christ not only caused Christ to smell like her and her to smell like Christ, but everyone in the presence of Mary smelled that of Christ. You know what we need today? We need to be so close to Christ that others around us, beyond a shadow of a doubt, have to take notice that we have been with Christ. And it will make an effect on them as well as it will you. If you need to come, you come while I pray. Oh Lord, we come to you tonight. Thank you for loving us. Lord, there's no doubt disturbances have come up in our life. Things seem disturbed right now. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to get broken. God, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to not to, to, to go the wrong way. Not to get uh, frustrated from the disturbances that come in our life. And to take it personally against you, but to realize that you're trying to do something greater. You're wanting to use, you're wanting to show us things that we've not yet seen. You're wanting to help us open our eyes to things we didn't understand. The only way to do that is through divine disturbances. All through Scripture, we see where you've shaken things up and caused people to, to move through divine disturbances. And I pray, God, tonight we'd have a broken heart, a soft heart. A tender heart. Lord, if we has had the tender heart that we need tonight, oh, what a what a fellowship we could have with you. In these last days, if we're going to make it, if we're going to stay in this thing, if we're going to find ourselves at the end with a well done by good and faithful servant, we're going to have to stay tender hearted. Lord, I don't want to be a sounding brass. I don't want to be a tinkling cymbal. I want to, I want to have compassion making a difference. Help us, Father. We, we want to make a difference. We won't last. We're not going to last in this, Father, if we don't stay soft-hearted. I pray tonight, Lord, if there's somebody that won't break up their fallow ground, there's somebody that won't work on it, there's somebody that won't deal with what's going on, God, I pray tonight that you'd break their ground. I pray God that you would you would you would you would turn the soil, you'd disturb them, so you could soften. And once you've disturbed and softened, then we can see something done for your glory and honor. And enjoy the good things that Mary enjoyed with you. We love you tonight. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for your long suffering, for your mercy. Help us, Father, I pray in these last days to keep a vision, to stay focused, to stay close, to love you, to rely on you, not to get in a place in our life where we think we're capable of doing anything. Use us, we pray, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things to come to beg of you. Amen. Amen. 
right. I appreciate your good attention tonight. If I can, let's